Welcome to another edition of Flea Market Fantasy, the world's second greatest bronze age era comic book podcast. Joining me as always is new Mike L, Kevin Jank. I'm here and I'm taping myself up with kinesiology tape from head to toe. <laughs> yeah. Make myself a kinesiology mummy. I'm a big fan of the kinesiology tape. It's, uh, it saved my <laughs> hockey shooting career. Because, you know, it took chunks <laughs> out of my body, but. Uh, that'll happen. That'll happen. But today it's the final week of Shocktober. And I thought we got a late start on Shocktober, but the way it all worked out, this episode's going to come out on Halloween. Yeah. I mean, we technically that? did miss a week then, I think, but, you know, yeah, worked it'll work out perfectly. Yeah, we're <laughs> yeah. professionals here. So, yeah, Shocktober is when we do nothing but horror books, and this is the final installment of Much to Jenks' chagrin. He loves Shocktober. <laughs> Big fan. I've had about enough of Shocktober. <laughs> but uh, we got one more book. And today we are reading Supernatural Thrillers, Issue 5, from 1973, and this stars The Living Mummy. Yeah. Very excited about The Living Mummy. Because <laughs> a lot of times you cross dead mummies, you know? But this, <laughs> this is a living mummy. So. Yeah, that's right. I guess he is kind of just a regular guy under there, right? Like the yeah. serums have kept him normal. He just happens to be wrapped in bandages. Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> well, I, I'm guessing he kind of rotted by now, right? I don't know. It seemed like that stuff was going to keep him fresh. Because he is still kind of really jacked, you know? He's like a big yeah. dude. Said it was, I think you know, it, he wouldn't die. He would live forever. So I guess if he, he's been alive, he hasn't decayed. I mean, I guess your muscles would atrophy, but maybe it, it didn't seem to. He still seemed pretty jacked. So I don't know. I, I think in later, uh, I should have done more research on this. Because he's, he's appeared in, you know, more recent books and everything. Yeah. I think I've seen sure. pictures of him where he looks more like a uh, withered Mod, kind yeah. of mummy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely seen but, that, I think. That's why I, I didn't recognize him at first. I was like, oh, yeah, I have seen a mummy in Marvel before. I didn't realize it was the same guy. Yeah, it's a living mummy. Quite different. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but before we get into this issue, let's remind everybody, if you're watching us on YouTube, please like and subscribe. We're up to 113 subscribers. We picked up a couple. So uh, the flea army continues to grow. All right, Jack. So uh, supernatural thrillers. Have you even heard of this book at all? Like I've never even heard of this. I don't know. No, <laughs> this is one of those endless seventies books where it's like, but that was a thing. Oh, well. It's about ten issues, and then they you know change to something else. It's pretty much the same thing, but a slightly different title. I'll give you one guess, Jack. Who was responsible for supernatural thrillers being a thing? Was it Roy Thomas? It was Roy Thomas. <laughs> yeah, all right. It was Roy Thomas. He yeah, had the idea. I he wanted to launch four new science fiction or horror anthologies, and uh, he staggered their premieres. So Journey into Mystery, Volume 2, published in October 1972, then Chamber of Chills in November 1972, Supernatural Thrillers in December 1972, and then Worlds Unknown, got kind of a late start may 1973 so those are your four new titles i think we've done chamber of chills on here before right maybe not with you but i no, maybe i think mike L, it was a previous shocktober I, i'm pretty sure he picked one okay i see think that. That's, that seems ambitious to be like we need four different anthology yeah. books <laughs> 1972 is a wild time man it's a wild wow. time so supernatural thrillers ran for 15 issues ending in october 1975 Initially, the idea was to do adaptations of classic horror stories, and the first issue featured an adaptation of Theodore Sturgeon's 1940 short story, It. And then uh, Roy Thomas adapted the story. Marie Severin did the art, and uh, Jim Stranko did the cover. 
Look at yeah, that. it's pretty good. Yes, Duranko did a couple of the early covers. Some of the other early stories they did were uh, like The Invisible Man, uh, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. But then by issue five, the, the plans changed a little bit. That's the issue we're doing here today. They This featured an original character, Encantu, the living mummy. And it was created by Steve Gerber and Rich Buckler. And Encantu was an African tribal prince enslaved and mummified by an evil Egyptian priest. And then uh, Encantu awakens in modern times. Like that they're like, oh, we'll do an original story, but it's just basically going to be the mummy. But, you know, we'll call it something different. <laughs> it's a different mummy. It's totally yeah, it's original. <laughs> the living mummy. After this, in issue six, there's an original headless horseman feature. And then in issue uh, seven, the living mummy returned. And he anchored the series the rest of the way with reprints of classic Marvel horror stories often running as backups. A lot like they were setting up the living mummy for much more than actually happens in this very issue here. So I'm glad yeah, the ending more stabs at it. Yeah, the ending's <laughs> kind of abrupt, and you're like, oh, wait, this is the end of the living mummy? And then, uh, but no, he comes back. In 1983, Encantu appeared in Marvel 2 and 1 issue 95, where he teamed up with the thing to fight the evil General Hassan. And I guess this General Hassan fellow was possessed by the spirit of the Egyptian priest who made Encantu the living mummy or something. Oh, no. Yeah. So then in 1989, he popped up in Captain America 361, helping Cap and uh, Diamondback. That was that lady he was with, right? Yeah. yeah. They battled Baron Zemo. So then in 2005, Encantu was part of Nick Fury's Howling Commandos. Yeah. not to be confused with uh, Nick Fury and the Howling Commandos, which is <laughs> the old series. This was just Nick Fury's Howling Commandos. And this mm-hmm. was a S.H.I.E.L.D. unit featuring supernatural characters who battle paranormal threats. And yep. the series lasted six issues. See, I'd never heard of this at all, but you seem familiar with Fury. Yeah, I never read that series, but I do remember them popping up and then being called the Howling Commandos in other books. They definitely played a role in Deadpool later on. I remember that. I think Groot was involved in that. Yeah, he might have been. Like before his uh, big turn made with the Galaxy, Gardens of the Galaxy. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember who else was in there, but Encantu was uh, a big part I think, of that uh, probably Werewolf by Night was probably that one of them. That sounds right. Yep. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's your Nick Fury's Howling Commandos. And I guess Encantu has been popping up ever since. I do remember him being, like I said, being a player. I think in uh, Mark Wade's Daredevil, I think he encountered the Howling Commandos at some point. And uh, definitely during Deadpool, when Deadpool was married to this lady named Shikla, who was like, kind of the queen of the monster underworld, so they all kind of factor into those stories a little bit. Yeah, I never knew Deadpool got married to a lady who's queen of the monsters. And then she uh, she left him for Dracula. (laughs) (laughs) That's the same old story. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so that's about it. That's all I got in The Living Mummy and Encanto. Guess we should get right to it, Jack. Yeah, let's dive in. Let's look at the cover. Why don't you describe it for the people? All right, so we get a uh, bar across the top there that says Supernatural Thrillers, in case you, you know, missed the title lower on the page. Uh, they got to put it up there, too. So the Marvel Comics Group. Then it says Supernatural Thrillers again, featuring the Living Mummy. And uh, the Living Mummy looks pretty cool. It's a good, good logo they got there. I like the little wings on the M and the uh, the Y. Looks <laughs> I don't know what that has to do with, uh, with mummies, but it's cool looking. <laughs> There's uh, there's like a wolf in like the character box howling at the moon. I guess that's probably something they just put on all the covers, even if they don't have anything to do with mummies. And then we got the it's a yellow background, so I don't know when this is supposed to be taking place. Most of it takes place at night, but apparently it's a very <laughs> yellow night. It's a bright yellow sky. 
And uh, the Living Mummy is uh, karate chopping uh, like a big marble or marble column or stone column. It looks like he's just kind of beating the hell out of it, carrying a woman in, in his other arm. She's looks kind of scared, but also maybe turned yeah. on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she looks terrified. <laughs> there's uh, there's a cop up in like a uh, balcony shooting down at the Living Mummy. There's another cop kind of looking, you know, awestruck at what he's seeing, I guess. And uh, I, there's a guy. I don't know. I gotta, I gotta point this out there, Jack. That yeah. cop he's shooting. I think he's trying to assassinate his partner because look at where he's shooting. Yeah. He is way off. Not, yeah. Not since Oswald has <laughs> someone been this far off in terms of bullet trajectories. But yeah, <laughs> he is not pointing at the mummy at all. He's kind of pointing at his partner no. on the ground. Yeah, this is uh, not going to Mackey's clubhouse too much, but this is a lot like the end of the first episode <laughs> of The Shield. Yeah, I think there's a political situation down at the department. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Trying to take this guy out while they got the opportunity. Oh. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you there. I'll stop <laughs> the mummy. What can I do? I don't know. I just wanted to point <laughs> that out. All right, where were you when I interrupted you? Uh, there's a swinging 70s guy there in the background yeah. with his uh, big open chest and uh, chest hair coming out of his shirt and his flared collar. collar. There's another guy kind of laying on the ground, possibly dead, possibly unconscious. I don't know. Uh, but then it says... He lives, he walks, and bullets cannot stop him. One of the greatest fear fests of all time. That That's definitely overselling this book for sure. But. <laughs> and then uh, on the column that he's destroying with his karate chop, uh says he waited 3,000 years to wreak the revenge of the monster. Yeah, this is pretty awesome. I notice how, uh, again, this is Rich Buckler doing the art here. I love how the uh, little uh, line there, the uh, ground is tilted so we get a tilted perspective of things you know not a flat line there at the bottom and this is a classic comic book cover if i was a little sure. kid I, i'd have bought this i want to see what this mummy's doing karate chops. <laughs> yeah this mummy knows karate <laughs> pretty great <laughs> who knew yeah the yellow sky is a little weird but uh <laughs> i mean it looks cool i guess yeah i guess it helps uh, it stand cool. out it know? is but yeah it's fun uh, so, all right, there it is, the, the cover for Supernatural Thrillers 5. And now we open it up, Jank. And, again, this is Steve Gerber and uh, Rich Buckler. We've talked about Steve Gerber a lot. So, yep. uh, But he was the Howard the Duck fellow. And also Rich Buckler, we've talked about several times on the show. I, I know the first time, I think, was way back year one. We did an All-Star Squadron book that he drew. So uh, those are the creators here. They didn't do all the uh, Living Mummy stuff. I, I think Val Myra came in as the artists for the later stuff, but they did do this one at least. So uh, we open up, hey, like it's torn from the headlines. The Gaza Strip is yeah. where he occupied Egypt early 1973. Beneath the pale Sahara moon sit two lovers. Goodness, what is going on here? Yeah, outside yeah. of a tank. They're like, oh, this tank gets me hot. Yeah, apparently there is <laughs> Rayleigh Commandos, one smoking hot lady and uh, one big heroic fella. And but there's a shadow looming behind them, Jank, on the mm. ground. And who do you think that that shadow could be? Um, probably werewolf by night is my no, guess. No, it's the living <laughs> mummy. Damn it! Yeah, how did I get it so wrong? You could have said Roy <laughs> Thomas. No, it also it's the living mummy, and uh, they are terrified of this. Mummy. Very tall, so it must be Jim Shooter. <laughs> now the dialogue here by Gerber <laughs> sparkling. Uh, this had to be a young Gerber, right? I mean, this seventy-two. Yeah, very young Gerber. But uh, why don't you read some of the dialogue here for us, Jank, because uh, you can skip to just when the mummy shows up. <laughs> she, well, the lady's like, it wants to kill us, Avram. What can we do? 
And he says, slowly, <laughs> draw your pistol. We will do what we must. How about quickly draw your pistol? Why slowly <laughs> draw your pistol? Oh, you just yeah. And she says, Avram, its eyes. Look at its eyes. Man or monster? This thing is insane. <laughs> splash page with the dialogue you read. It's a big giant splash page of the mummy looming over them. They start shooting him. Bullets don't bother him. But he just say it's faltering. Fire again. So I don't know why yeah. they thought the bullets were working, but clearly he's just walking right through it. Because uh, then Gerber, he does a lot, a lot of narration here. Caught off guard by these strange weapons and by the impact of the pellets they expel, the mummy sways, totters, regards with curiosity the dust they raise from his form. Yeah, see, he's dusty. So mm-hmm. does that mean inside he's dusty or just the bandages are dusty? Ah, uh, yeah, I'm guessing it's the bandages because it seems like he's okay under there. Yet it stands unharmed, for its flesh is more like living stone. Hardened yeah. by millennia of inanimacy. I don't I guess, know. Little, yeah, he did kind of atrophy, but he's, I don't know. That's It's like a weird version of Wolverine's healing factor, I guess, where it <laughs> keeps you alive, but it also just, you know, <laughs> time still does take its effect. Very strange. It's kind of like our buddy Simon Garth, the zombie. Remember, they were shooting him with yeah. bullets and didn't really do anything. And I don't A lot know. of parallels, because it, it's a lot of narration in his head being like, what are these strange creatures? Like, <laughs> Stuff like that. But he does know the karate because he just chops the hell out of the uh, the fella, knocks yeah. him unconscious, and then he, he's he's going after the lady. But yeah. Jank, when he sees the lady, she's so good looking that he says, you know <laughs> what? I can't beat her up. She's too pretty. <laughs> they make his eyes lose their glint of madness. <laughs> so then uh, the big uh, mummy guy, he turns around and he leaves her, you know, untouched, stalking off into the night. Cut over to uh, where are these fellas? They're in Egypt still, right? Yeah, yeah, they're also in Egypt. This Dr. Scarab guy, he's looking at some kind of papers, and he's like, oh, fascinating, utterly fascinating. Well, they found some uh, scroll that has information about not only a lost African tribe with this other fella and this lady, the lady from the cover who's uh, under the um, living mummy's arm. Her and a fellow, I guess, are researching some African tribe. And then this guy says, not only have I found your African tribe, I've also found a mummy or something. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> and he's relay, uh, relating this entire story to them about ancient Egyptian times and how this evil pharaoh enslaved an entire African tribe. And he mm-hmm. had a priest named uh, Nephris, I believe was his name. And this evil Nephris was also the guy who's speaking, this doctor. It's like when it, he can trace his lineage back to him. Yeah. yeah. They're like, nobody can do that. It's way before, <laughs> it's just, like, Ancestry.com, so how could you yeah. do How could you know that? He says, I, I don't, don't question me. I figured it out. All right? <laughs> oh, that guy's great, 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 My great, relatives great, great are definitely <laughs> royalty. That's, that's what I'm saying. Don't question. <laughs> They're slave traders, and I'm proud of it. So he tells them this whole story about uh, how there was this guy named Nkantu, and he was this African tribe's, like, big warrior guy. Yeah. And he's very, very big. He's kind of like Omos, the Nigerian uh, giant from WWE. <laughs> so they were making him do all the hard work, carrying these slabs, you know, to build the pyramids and whatnot. But at night, though, he'd gather around with his other slaves and be like, hey, I've about had enough of this. Let's have a revolt. We like, need to start a union. We're going to get us yeah. a dental plan. <laughs> and Vince McMahon fires them all. No, no, no. <laughs> it's an evil pharaoh, not Vince McMahon. And uh, But he's talking to his priest. And uh, his priest says, you know, this uh, Encanti fella. He's trying to leave a, lead a revolt against you. And the Pharaoh says, ah, it's not be a problem. They're not, they don't have any weapons or anything. So what we're going to do is we're just going to keep an eye on. 
We're going to let them finish building this pyramid, and then we're going to murder them. All right? So let's just do that. And mm-hmm. so, like, all right, that's a good plan. What happens to their plan, though, Jack? Uh, things go slightly awry, uh, because right after they finish building the thing, all hell breaks loose. And uh, the slaves had amassed an arsenal over the years, and now it was put to good use. So they start storming the castle, essentially, and uh, and Kantu leads the men out of the temple to the gates of the palace itself, and Aram Set was waiting. And uh, they're about to throw a spear at him, and it looks like Enkantu does. He kind of hits one guy in the chest with a spear. Yeah, that's uh, the like slave it's, master. Is it? That's the pharaoh guy? Yeah. Oh, okay. He hits him right in the heart, harpoons him. Oh. <laughs> Don't mess with Enkantu. Then Enkantu runs up the stairs there, and he's like, hey, uh, Denfer's the priest. I'm going to murder you, too. And he says, I'm going to kill you slowly. Make you suffer like you made my people suffer. The Nephris, he doesn't have a knife or anything, but he's got a, a bowl of magic water. And he, like, <laughs> flicks some water on Enkantu, uh, and it freezes him. Some crazy Egyptian priest potion that locks him up. So, ancient roofies. Yeah, so they... <laughs> ancient roofie. So uh, a bunch of Nephris' guys grab Enkantu, and, you know, he's just like a statue now. And they take him down, and they strap him down to a giant wooden axe. I and, like uh, that. Uh, what was that? Uncanny X-Men, like, 251 yeah. or something like that? Wolverine was. Giant yeah. X, yeah. But then they wrap him up in bandages. First, they pump him full of uh, some other, like you mentioned earlier, some sort of concoction. Yeah. Like they're like, they're taking out his blood, and they're replacing it with his uh, magic chemical. And they're like, hey, don't you worry. You're not going to die. In fact, quite the opposite. You're going to live forever. But... We're going to wrap you up in bandages like a mummy, and you won't be able to move, and we're going to lock you in a coffin, and so it's not going to be fun. You're just going to be trapped alive in a box for that forever. That's pretty rough. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> you can see why his eyes were insane there when he when he stumbled yeah. upon those lovers in the Gaza Strip. That's yeah. honestly one of those things where it's like, I don't see how this guy's ever going to be all right again. Like. <laughs> You're not going yeah. to shake this off in a weekend. I could nap my way through a lot of it. <laughs> I think I could just be, I don't know, I'm pretty, that's pretty much what I do anyway. So Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I had like a TV or something in there, sure. <laughs> that's true. That's true. He doesn't have the TV. Can't watch uh, reruns of WKRP in Cincinnati like I do. <laughs> so anyway, uh, and Conti's all wrapped up in bandages, and they put him in the coffin, but then uh, just when uh, Nephris is about, he de- he declares himself the new pharaoh, you know. He's like, I'm now in charge of this here town. Then everything starts collapsing. The whole temple collapses on top of him. Yeah. This is weird. Apparently, this is like God's yeah. revenge. I don't know. Like, what, what? they don't really show what happened to his guys. Like, did his guys all fail? Like, were they all put to death? Or is this still I, going on? Like, this all could have happened within minutes. And then, you know, the rest of these guys finally took down the temple. Oh, yeah, when you say his guys, you're talking about Encanto's guys. Yeah, like all his his slave army. Yeah, I don't know if when Encanto, uh, they got Encanto, like, without his leadership, the rest of the revolt fell or what happened. But either way, the temple collapses and everyone's dead. And Encanto's living uh, mummy. Yep. Yeah, he'll live forever. Well, his uh, (laughs) coffin or little crypt there, it it gets buried and it's lost for uh, thousands of years, I guess. Yeah, 3,000 years, I guess. So now we cut back to the present, and uh, that doctor is still telling the story. And he's like, I think Encanti's still out there, and mm-hmm. I think he's still alive. And they're like, oh, okay, Doc, you've been abusing it a little hard lately. Why don't you sleep? And he's like, no, 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 he's out there. I, I can feel it. Now we cut to Encanti, and he's roaming the streets in Egypt, 
this is the the part you like, Jank, where he's uh scared by a car, you know? <laughs> yep. What are these chariots? Sound made by a chariot the like of which he has never seen. Dude, this reminded me of Colossus in the uh, X-Men uh, graphic novel, God Loves, Man Kills, where they show a car running at him and it just hits him and he just stands there and he like rips the engine out of it. Well, and Kantu kind of does a similar thing. Mm-hmm. He he destroys the car, but then he like grabs the guy who is driving it and <laughs> press slams him above his head and just walks <laughs> off with him. <laughs> like, Wait, what are you doing in Kantu? This Encanto is crazy. Yeah. So, uh, but this is being broadcast on TV. Encanto <laughs> just picked that guy up and threw him into the window. Oh yeah. Encanto <laughs> is pissed. <laughs> but uh, the doctor comes Things running. Find it in his thirst for revenge on a guy that's been dead for three thousand years. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> like, I am angry. But uh, we see that doctor again. I can't even remember these. Uh, doctor, did you say Scarab or something I think it was like Dr. that? Scarab, yeah. And, and I don't even know these other people, the lady and the fellow's name. But, uh, yeah, we'll call, I don't even think it comes up. <laughs> yeah. I will call them Debbie and Jimmy. So Debbie and Jimmy, they say, Doctor, what's going on? And he says, Encanto, remember how I was just telling you about that mummy who yeah. was thousands of years old and still alive? <laughs> He's been he, locked for 3,000 years and just happened to show up as we were talking about him. He's here. He <laughs> just started walking down the street punching people. That is crazy. <laughs> So they go out to see if they can stop this Encanto. Uh, Encanto, like, we're the only ones who can. Like, how? You read a scroll that said full of red juice. I don't know, I don't know what you're going to do. But Encanto, he's like being drawn toward this Dr. Scarab fella because I guess because he is an ancestor of Nephris, that priest. Mm-hmm. That he wants revenge on Nephris. If they somehow pass like ships in the night and he ends up going to Nephris's uh, or the doctor's. Yeah, Dr. Scarab's house. Yeah. And he just busts his way in the door. But then as soon as he gets in there, he gets very sleepy. <laughs> he just takes a nap. Yeah. Oh, boy. That's that's just the most bone-chilling thing that can happen in a horror <laughs> comic is your, your monster just yeah. take a nap in the middle of the, the adventure. Yeah, I didn't understand this. Like, what was this? Remember that Simpsons just... Treehouse of Horror where the part was like, you know what would have been scarier than nothing? Anything. <laughs> <laughs> Like, couldn't they have just had him, you know, hunt down the doctor? And Like, why did he have to take a nap? Yeah, know, he's he just... been sleeping for 3,000 years, and now he's been up for, <laughs> you know, an hour, and like, oh, man, so tired. He, maybe he wasn't sleeping, though. He was awake that entire time, maybe. Yeah, That'd be crazy. I don't know. But either way, <laughs> this could have been better. So uh, <laughs> the, the doctor, Jimmy, and Debbie, they come home, and they see the door ripped off the hinges, and right away, Jimmy says, he's been here. Who else could have done this? I don't know, some thieves, maybe <laughs> some crooks, you know, <laughs> anyone who just wanted to break into your apartment. But he's like, it has to be the mummy. And then they're looking around. They can't find him. And they, thankfully, Debbie's there because she looks over and says, oh, hey, fellas, there's a giant eight foot guy in bandages lying <laughs> on the ground right here, right here. I was like, he's sleeping, <laughs> kind of snoring a little bit. <laughs> like, oh, my God, is he alive? And uh, they go down and they feel his back. And he's like, oh, yeah, he's uh, he's breathing. You know, his uh, chest is heaving. It's like he's sleeping. And and Dr. Scarab's like, all right, well, there's only one thing we got to do. He pulls out a gun and he's like, I'm going to shoot the hell out of this guy <laughs> while he's sleeping. And uh, Debbie's like, no, you can't just shoot him. He's like, I can and I must for our sakes. And all Egypt's in Kantu must die, die. And he just starts shooting him. And he's like, no, the bullets don't harm him. But then in Kantu wakes up and he, he can talk a little bit. And he says, Nephris, 
Save me. See, why would he want Nefers to save Nefers is the guy that put him in this situation. You think he'd want to just kill Nefers, right? Yeah. It's also weird that the mummy speaks English after all. Yeah, this. well, uh, <laughs> he does, but then um, later in a dialogue, here's uh, the Dr. Scarab says, it's speaking ancient Egyptian, begging me to make him human again, even though he's speaking in English when we read yeah. it. It <laughs> just says, Nefers, save me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Because remember how, like, in the X-Men books, they'd always put, like, a little asterisk next to the thing? Or put little yeah, brackets. Yeah, like, little brackets, yep. Yeah. They'd say translated translate from it. Russian. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> uh, the Living Mummy's dialogue is in a really heavy, outlined dialogue and wavy line. So, maybe that's our cue that, oh, it's being translated from ancient Egyptian. Yeah. So, anyway, Debbie and Jimmy are like, oh, good Lord, we got to get out of here. That thing could kill us. Yeah, it probably could. So, they go running outside. And the cops are already on the scene. They got like a tear gas gun and everything. And what happened to Debbie here in this panel? Like Debbie's just on her knee. It looks like she's dead. Yes, I think falls. Like every horror movie, somebody has to fall for no reason and then give the creature a chance to catch up to them. Oh, her name's Janice. Uh, but we don't see her trip or anything. We just want, just boom. We just see her on her knees <laughs> like she's dead. And he's like, Janice, come on, woman. He's almost on top of us. They're Maybe like the puppy, she just had to take a nap in the middle of uh, a <laughs> <what it> <laughs> like. And uh, the cops are like, just a few more steps now. And they shoot tear gas at the mummy. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Janice is like, oh, no, no. What are they doing to him? Why can't they let him alone? Try to help him. You were just running for your life from him. <laughs> Why weren't you trying to help him? You know, well, now he's crying because of the tear gas. So she feels bad yes. for him. Yeah, the tear gas <laughs> gives him his voluntary eyes. response to tear gas. He starts to weep through his bandages. Like, oh, this poor fella. But uh, but she said, why can't they help me even before that? And, like, you had your chance to help him, Debbie. And you chose to run away scared and pass out <laughs> on the ground. Now the cops just start opening fire at him, you know. And he, we know bullets can't hurt him, can't do. So he grabs a giant telephone pole and he rips it out of the ground. And he's going to swat the cops to the telephone pole. But then mm-hmm. Debbie's like. Oh, he's never seen electricity. If he steps the wrong <laughs> way, he'll die. He can't. He mustn't. I can save him. Let me go. I can talk to him. I can. Oh, and then we turn the page and Encanti is getting electrocuted. Yep. There's a puddle on the ground and then, you know, the live wire went right into the puddle. And yep, that's it for the mummy here. If only Encanti could have seen some of those old G.I. Joe cartoons where knowing is half the battle. <laughs> And they taught me that when there were power lines down, you stay away. But in Conti, never had you that. You don't pull them out yourself. <laughs> he never had the benefit of G.I.J. wisdom. So he gets electrocuted and he's smoldering there on the ground. And the cops are like, oh, man, that guy, he's like a, he's folding up like a cardboard doll. We've got him. But then Dr. Scarab comes up and he says, hey, hey, officers, even though this mummy was on a murderous rampage throughout the city, why don't you let me have him? Can I do that? <laughs> I want to study him. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, all right. Okay, random guy we don't know <laughs> yeah. at all. Sure. I have no idea who you are, but sure. We'll trust you. Less paperwork for us. All right, <laughs> fellas. Back to the station. So they just leave Encanto in the hands of Dr. Scarab, Jimmy, and Debbie. And that's how it ends. Yep, yep. Dr. Scarab has the mummy now. He's going to go study him, and that's it. So next issue is the Headless Horseman story. But in issue seven, Encanto comes back. Did you did you go ahead to see how he comes back? 
No, I looked at issue six, saw that he wasn't in it. So I'm like, oh, I guess that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so issue seven opens up. up with him in a giant crate and at a museum, and he wakes up and busts his way out of the crate, and then he just storms us his way out of the museum, and he's just loose in America. So what happened is Dr. Scarab, like, had him boxed up and shipped to America. Now, <laughs> now he's in the United States. A lot States. of waking up for this guy. Good old Encantu. There it is. That's the living mummy. I enjoyed it because um, I I loved in his backstory. I think that's a great backstory. Right. The African print, tribe guy getting kidnapped and he re- leading a revolt, you know, and then mm-hmm. uh, murdering the pharaoh, but then getting you know caught by the Egyptian uh, priest there. Man, just think of that. They're 3,000 years locked in a, in a coffin, wrapped up. <laughs> Yikes. I mean, they thought it was bad with, like, craving the hunter buried Spider-Man for, like, two weeks. <laughs> so I love the backstory. I love uh, – Rich Buckler's always solid. You know, this is classic comic book art. Big fan of his stuff. Gerber, yeah, the dialogue was crazy at times. Just, <laughs> but it was fun. I enjoyed it. What would you think, Jack? Uh, it was okay. Um definitely better than, uh, you know, Demon was last week, so I'll give it that much. <laughs> um, the art wasn't anything too special to me. I thought it was fine. Like you said, typical kind of 70s art. Uh, not necessarily my bag, mm-hmm. but um, it was okay. <laughs> nothing nothing to complain about, but nothing to uh, write home about either, I would say. But the backstory was definitely the more interesting part. The modern day stuff, it didn't seem like there was a lot happening there. <laughs> They could have made that a little more exciting. Instead of just they definitely happy. could. Yes. Just him could. getting shot by a bunch of different people and it never doing anything to him. <laughs> it was kind of like, all right, yeah, I get it. We can stop yeah. this now. He picked up that one dude, just chucked him through a window. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that guy had it coming for driving in the street. <laughs> yeah. Fancy chariot. I don't know. I liked it. So uh, I don't know, Jake. What do you think? One out of ten for the living mummy. Uh, I guess I'll go to five. five. It was kind of right down the right down the pipe. I actually liked it a lot more than you, so I'm going to give it a seven. And oh, yeah, because I like <laughs> Buckler and I, I love Encanto. I'm a big Encanto fan, though. I want to read more about Encanto. <laughs> uh, I'll say I, of the mon- Marvel monsters we did this October, I, I liked the zombie more. I think I was more into that story. Really? So that was a good story. I mean, holy, that was yeah, was an orgy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I also gave that a nine. I believe. Yeah. So, yeah, that had everything. But yep. this, I, I'm a big fan of this uh, Encanto fella. I'd like to read more Encanto. The Living Mummy. What a tragic yeah, tale. He had more character uh, in this one, but he didn't really yet. Because obviously he just He was out. weeping. <laughs> he was weeping. Well, yeah. He's been tear gassed. Everyone's going to do that then. <laughs> it's amazing that he still has some water left in his, after all those years, yeah. that he can still make tears. You know? I think his eyeballs would be all dried up. <laughs> but, <laughs> We're going to give you some Visine. He still has <laughs> one, thing, one creature comfort you could have in your coffin. But I like this living mummy fella. I'll try and read more of him at some point. Do you think every issue? Because I think in like in the later years, I don't remember him being written as such a tragic character. Like it was just kind of goofy, from what I recall. Oh, that's not good. No, you don't want him. (laughs) Yeah, being a tortured soul, he can't uh, get anywhere. But do you think every issue is just like him waking up somewhere and then going nuts? (laughs) That'd be pretty great. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty good. That's a solid idea for a series, right there. So there it is. Shocktober comes to an end. Yeah, a little bit of a whimper, not so much a bang. But. Yeah, not too much we can say about the living mummy. 
thought a lot of kids dive into the backstories of various characters and what about characters. Debbie and Jimmy? Never <laughs> know they're they're rich backstories. <laughs> so there it is, but uh, yeah, go uh, supernatural thrillers. Go check out some uh, Living Mummy. You'll love it. All right, Jack. So Shocktober's over. Next uh, week we're back to ordinary comics. All right. Well, um, at some point, a couple months ago now, I think, uh, we were doing some DC book that I picked. It might have been The Shadow. I don't remember exactly what it was, but there was an ad in there that it piqued my interest. And I was like, oh, you should definitely check this out at some point. So I figured now is the time to, uh, to do Slash Maraud number one. Slash Maraud. I think I do remember encountering this with you. I want to say, wasn't it like an ad in the back of the book? Yeah, that's not right. Like, there's a picture of like almost like a party scene going on. I think, right? Yeah, like people just in a bar, like drinking and stuff, and it said something about like the Earth has five years left to live. Yes. So it's just people partying and stuff like that. So I'm like, oh, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, Um, it's a great title, right? Slash Mirage. That sounds pretty awesome. I can't remember when we encountered it though. Yeah, I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, sl- Slash Maraud, what issue and what year is this? Uh, this is 1987. It was a six-issue series, apparently. So we're going to do issue number one, because I don't really know enough right. about the premise to try to do <laughs> one of the later ones. Slash Maraud, issue one, 1987. All right, this will be interesting. Neither one of us knows anything about this, but it has a cool title. So It looks pretty interesting from I was looking through it. So looks like there's some cool stuff going on. Any idea who the creators are? Uh, Doug Mensch and okay. your but your favorite Paul Galassi. <laughs> Paul Galassi. Uh, yeah, I have a me- checkered past with Paul Galassi. <laughs> he did do Black Diamond, the Civil Danny. He did the covers of Black Diamond. So he sure did. He can draw himself a Civil Danny, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, so, all right, that'll be next week here on the Big Show. And again, uh, please, if you uh, like and subscribe on YouTube. The goal is to get to 500 subscribers. That's the goal. We got a ways to go. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> someday though. Someday. But that's it for Shocktober. So until next week, don't get any jank on you. <laughs>